And Father, I just commit this sermon to you now, Lord, that you just anoint this word, that our hearts would be um, transformed by the revelation of your word. Amen. Thanks, guys. So if you have your Bibles, if you want to turn to the book of Colossians. Uh, man, you know, I was talking about the Bible a few weeks ago. I hope you're in love with that. It really is a love letter for your life, you know that? Colossians chapter 1, starting at verse 25. I have become, I have become uh, its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Going on in chapter 2, I want you to labor. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all those who have not met me personally. My goal is that they would be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom all are hidden, uh, sorry, in whom are hidden all the treasures and wisdom of God. That's an amazing piece of scripture. You know here, Paul really demonstrates uh, in this passage what he's been laboring for, what he's been fighting for, what he's contending for. And he's connected it to the idea of the word of God and its fullness. He spoke to it as being a key for, for maturity in Christ. He describes it as the full riches of complete understanding. And this, this, this passage, if you like, provides a major and essential body of truth to us as believers. And it's this, Christ in you. This is the mystery. You know, and, and in many ways, this mystery can be actually traced back to Mary and the Christmas story. I mean, we all know it. You know, an angel visits Mary. She becomes pregnant, and she's going to, to by the power of the Holy One, have a child. And in a sense, this is the first example, if you like. It's really a foreshadowing of the concept of Christ in you. I mean, can you imagine the idea of the fullness of God being in a woman's womb in the form of a fetus? That's a wild concept. I mean, you know, and we actually believe that stuff. I mean, we believe in the virgin birth. We believe that God came and by his Holy Spirit overshadowed a woman and that the very seed of God was inside a woman and the child that was in the woman had the, was the fullness of God. And that's what we believe as Christians. In fact, if you believe anything short of that, well, you're just really missing out. If Jesus wasn't fully God, then it means we're not fully saved. It means we're not fully forgiven. We're not fully free. You see, the deity of Christ is the hinge point that divides Christianity from all the cults. Who is Jesus? He is fully God. And if you don't believe that, then, then reality is you're deceived. So here's this child who is inside of Mary, who was Christ, the fullness of God. The fullness of God inside a human. That is really where the Christmas story begins. 
And that's where it all begins for us. It's this mystery of Christ in you starts to, to be unfolded, where it becomes a reality. You know, and over the last few weeks, we've been doing a series, been seeing Jesus, where we've looked at a number of people who have encountered Jesus when he was on the planet. You know, one of the things I said, and this is a really important thing for us, and we tend to do it, you know, we think of Jesus being born as a baby, and we've all got the postcards and, and all that, and it's wonderful. And then we think of him Easter, dying and being, going to the cross, dying. And sometimes we forget that there were 33 years in between. And those 33 years are incredibly significant, not only in Jesus, but it's significant for us to understand the appropriation of what they are in our lives. They're full of kingdom. And, you know, so over the last few weeks, we've been looking at the different people who encountered Jesus and the effect it had on them. You see, because I'm, I'm totally convinced the more we see him clearly, then the more we can love him completely, which ultimately means we get to know him deeply, more deeply. And today, today, what I want to do is I want to take it a look at it a little bit differently. To, in a sense, there's no interaction between Jesus and this person because it's Mary, the mother of God. But her interaction with God was profound. Obviously, it was life-changing in terms of what happened to her. But it's also indicative, as I said, it's a foreshadow of something that is so applicable to us. Christ in you. Christ in you. So I want to start at Matthew chapter 1. This is how the birth of Jesus and Messiah came about. His mother Mary was privileged, uh, was pleased to be married to Joseph. But before they could come together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had a mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will, con- will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Verse 23. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. You know, this verse is actually a prophecy given 700 years prior to this event. It was given by the prophet Isaiah that there would be a child born of a virgin. And that was something so foreign that really couldn't be be grasped. I mean, Emmanuel means God with us. And that's pretty easy for a Jewish person to have got hold of, for for them to believe. The scripture was full of promises of the Messiah that he would come and live with them. So when the, the Jews were okay with this, you know, we need a Messiah to come and live with us, to be a king, to be a leader, to be a warrior, to deliver us from our oppressors. And so what they wanted was a physical king to come and rule in a physical body in a physical kingdom. So God with us. That would have been a satisfying answer for a Jewish person. And this is one of the meanings of the word Emmanuel. God is with us. Then there's the typical evangelical version of Emmanuel, 
which is also an interpretation of this word, and it's God for us. Yes, because of our sins, because of our separation, because of our rejection of God, there was this distance between us and God. But Jesus Christ, the expression of the love of the Father for us, removed that separation that allowed us to have intimate relationship with God. And obviously this is also good news. And it would be great, in effect, if it was the end in itself. But this, this scripture in Colossians doesn't say that, it's the, that that is a mystery. That's not the mystery that was hidden for generation. The mystery for generations is, see, Christ with you, a Messiah with you. Well, that's what the Jewish people were expecting. It hadn't been hidden for generations. Everybody was expecting it. Christ for you, it was shown, again, throughout Scripture, throughout the Old Testament writings. There was always a thought of God is for you. If God is, you know, God is for you, he's not against you. God wants to, uh, to be on the side of people who are righteous. He wants to have relationship with his people. So the, the story of Scripture is of a father who will do anything to be reconciled to his sons and daughters. He'll do anything. This is a story of love. This is a story of family. This is a story of championship of over every obstacle to restore that union between the sons and daughters of God and their loving Father. So God for us, God with us, is what we've, been, we've known about. But there's a mystery that Paul writes in Colossians that was hidden for generations. And it was a mystery, really, that was first revealed in Mary. And it's this. Christ in you, not just for you, not just with you, but Christ in you, in you. I want to read it again. I have become its servant by the commission of God, that God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. You see, this mystery has been hidden for ages and generations. No one had been able to understand it. No one had even expected it. It wasn't just God coming down and being with us and and showing us what he was like. It was not God coming down and, and physically being around us to demonstrate his power and the glory of his kingdom. It was not just God for us so he could remove the obstacle of sin so that that we could experience his full love and favor for us. That's not the mystery. Everybody understood it. It was clear in scripture. That wasn't what was hidden for generations. But it says to them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you. Christ in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. The Christmas story starts out with this reality. God can put his fullness inside of someone. God can put the fullness of who he is, the fullness of his deity inside someone. Colossians 2.9 says, For in Christ all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. So when that small body began forming inside Mary's womb, the fullness of God abided there. What an incredible mystery. What an incredible thought. 
saying that the fullness of the Godhead was in Christ. And that means everything that was in the Father, everything that was in Holy Spirit, everything that was in pre-existent Jesus was in baby Jesus. Inside the womb of Mary. The fullness of God in the person of Jesus Christ. And then Colossians 2.10 says this, you have been given the fullness of Christ. This is the mystery that was hidden for thousands of years. Christ in you, the fullness of God, the fullness of God actually living inside of you. He's the one we proclaim. It is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. Colossians 1.28. See, there's something about the revelation of Christ in you that is a key to your maturity. It's a key to your fullness. It's a key to your victory. It's a key to the riches of God. To this end, I strenuously contend with all energy that Christ that is so powerfully in me. And I want everyone to know my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the riches of complete understanding. The complete riches of understanding in order that we may know the mystery of God, namely Christ in you, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You see, it's not just God with us. It's not just God for us. The mystery that was unknown for eons, for generations, unknown, was Christ in you. Christ in you. Christ in you. Christ in you. The fullness of God inside of people. And if you can believe it for Mary, you need to believe it for yourself. You know, the word Emmanuel, whoops. The word, of Emmanuel, word Emmanuel, if you look it up in Strong's Concordance, it says this. It has reference to the personal union of the human nature and the divine in Christ. You know, Emmanuel, it's not just God with us demonstrating his nature and his power and his kingdom. It's not just God for us demonstrating his mercy and his love. It's Christ inside of you. It's the union of the human nature and the divine nature coming together as one. Which is why when, they, when the angel saw Mary, it was that she was carrying Jesus, the hope of the world. And now you are carriers of Jesus, the hope of glory, the carriers of the fullness of God, the hope of glory for the world. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Incredible, isn't it? And yet, you know, interestingly enough, in many ways, the idea of God in man is, is actually not a new thought in some ways. 
not in the way the Bible talks about it. It's not even a uniquely biblical thought. But there's a really curious verse in Genesis chapter 6, verse 4, and it says this. Now it came to pass when, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth that daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, and they were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves as they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. Now there were giants on the earth in those days and also afterward when the sons of God came into the daughters of men and they bore children to them. They were mighty men who were the men of old, the mighty men of renown. I don't know if you've ever read those scriptures and never wondered about them because to be honest, they're pretty weird, aren't they? <laughs> and I mean, there are a lot of weird theories about them as well. The sons of God, they're Nephilim. It actually means the sons of the fallen. And there are just so many theories about it. Some people think it was that they were um, angels that had fallen away from God, which I guess is possible. And I'm not too sure how they got angels out of that, or they were people of renown, but it's possible. Some believe that they were, um, yeah, that, they, that because of the, the fact that they were fallen angels, that that's why the giants came. And I mean, there's been stories right throughout the Bible about giants. Um, you know, David and Goliath, obviously, and the Anakins, the people of Anakin who were giants. So, as I said, there's a whole lot of theories around this, a whole lot of extra biblical theories as well. And, um, you know, I mean, there have been theories from the History Channel where there are aliens, <laughs> ancient aliens, right through to Greek mythology. And, uh, but, you know, all of that, whatever it means, something happened that was outside our plane of existence. And, um, it, it, the book of Enoch, which is an apocrypha book, uh, which is an apocryphy book, is a book that we don't recognise as an inspired book of the Bible, but it was written around that time. And it's actually quoted in the New Testament. Jude actually quotes it. It tells how angels came down and married human wo- women and brought forbidden knowledge with them. And these angels came and married and released knowledge set for another time period. They were set for another prime period. Because, you know, God never meant man to have knowledge separated from himself. Man cannot seek knowledge outside from God because when they begin to get secret knowledge, it's outside of God. They begin to pursue that purpose. They, they stop pursuing the pur- purpose for which God created them. And man would continue to eat from the tree of knowledge and not the tree of life. And so it's not that God wanted to deny people knowledge, but he did want to deny He wanted to give them life because, you know, knowledge without Jesus is not life. I don't know if you ever, when I was growing up, when I first got saved, we used to sing a song which was, you can go to college, you can go to school, but if you don't know Jesus, you're just an educated fool. <laughs> it never worked with my mother when I was going to sit exams, though, unfortunately. You know, the, the Bible has said, the fool has said that there is no God in his heart. See, knowledge apart from God is not life. And so God is calling us into that place of knowledge and wisdom. And it says it's found by being in Christ. By being in Christ. It's so important. And, you know, I don't know what all the stories are about those divine men, but I thought it was really interesting, the fact that what was written there was just the fact that when when people saw something out of this world combined with man, that that there would be greatness. 
And you know, I believe right now, if you imagine if it's fallen angel or angels of man that it causes great things, how much more when it's God himself dwelling in us? How much greater is it? You know, when God sends the Holy Spirit to live in us, that same fullness of God that can live inside of us. I mean, I don't know what all that stuff in Genesis means, and I don't know how to interpret it, but I do know this. If the sons of God had relations with daughters of men and bore children that were, were powerful and giants in the land, that were children of land, that, uh, of renown, that made a difference, then imagine what the sons and daughters of God can do. And that's what I want to emphasize. I mean, imagine it's a challenge for us. If union with angels could produce people of renown, then what does union with Christ produce? How much more does it do? What does union with God himself produce? If there were giants in the land that were history makers, what happens when we walk in the fullness of our relation with God himself? What happens when we have the fullness of Christ dwelling in us? You see, the message of Christmas is not just a happy thought about God coming and living inside a woman, of her becoming pregnant and of of bearing a child for all of us. It literally says, for unto us a child is being born, unto us a son has been given. And that is the mystery of all generations. A son was given so we could be in a place of relationship with God and then ultimately God can dwell in us. God so loved mankind. God so loved every single one of us that he didn't want to leave us in the original Adamic state. It was good. I mean, God created it. It was good. But he said there's something even better. I want every son of Adam to become a son and daughter of God. I want the fullness of my nature inside of him. You see, God just doesn't want to live with you. God just doesn't want to live for you. God... Once where the fullness of God dwells in you. The fullness of God dwells in you. That's where maturity is. That's where the treasures are. That's where the riches of the treasures of God are placed. And that's what Paul says, I fought for. I long for. I strive for. I want everybody to get hold of. That God is not just a concept we hold on to, but there's a reality of Christ, of God living inside of us, bringing new life. He wants to make you a partner in the divine nature. And when we step into this partnership of divine nature, then giants walk on the earth. Not physical giants like those ones we read about in Genesis, but spiritual giants, giants of love. Giants of creativity, giants of mercy, giants of power, giants of presence, men and women of renown that can shape and change history. That's what God is calling us to because Christ dwells in us. Christ dwells in us. Do we really get it? The Christmas story is not just about what happened to her. It's about what can happen to you. It's about what is possible for you and me. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, who is as in all the treasure and wisdom of knowledge of God is there. Christ in you. Christ in you. Christ in Mary, the hope of the world, the hope of salvation, the hope of kingdom. Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
You know, this Christmas, I really want to encourage you not to just meditate on the story of, of Mary. I mean, it's an amazing story. And I believe it with all my heart that fullness of God came down, bringing the full forth Christ, the Son of the living God, and he is Emmanuel. He's not just for us. He's not just with us. He's in us. And I just really want to encourage you to meditate on that this Christmas. Think about it. What does it mean that Christ dwells in me? That transformational element of what's happening in our lives. Do you realize that for ages the prophets dreamed of this time? They looked forward. They, they didn't even understand it because it was a mystery, but they knew there was something extraordinary coming. It wasn't just about a Messiah coming into history, but that history was going to be changed. That mankind was going to be changed. Christ in us. You know, even those outside of the biblical narrative knew that if God and man came together, things would be changed. Power would be released. Something transformational would happen on the the earth. And you know what? You are that answer. You are that dream. God's dream, God's passion, God's revelation. That is who we are. What will happen when we start getting hold of that? What will happen? What happens when we begin to see the truth of Emmanuel? Yes, God is always with me. He'll never leave me and forsake me. God is, is for me. Yes, through the cross of Jesus Christ, nothing can stand against you. If God is for you, the scripture says, who can be against you? But it gets even better than that because it's Christ in you. The fullness of God and man, releasing the impossible on the earth. You know, when we say that, that's not just some little catchphrase. You are the doorway to the impossible. You are the doorway to someone's miracle. You are the doorway to hope to those around you. When you walk into your place of employment tomorrow, you carry the hope of the world, the hope of glory. Because Christ dwells in us. And he wants to get out. (laughs) The hope of glory. Christ in you. The treasures of heaven. God is calling us to step into new new limits, new dimensions, new revelations. And I really believe it comes as we begin to, to meditate and dwell and just say, God, what does it mean, Christ in me? Let me begin to live from that reality. Let me begin to, to walk in that reality that it is no longer I, but it's Christ. It's Christ. It's Christ who lives in me. Father, Lord, I just thank you for the greatness of your love for the genius of your plan. Lord, I thank you for the, 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 the generosity of riches and grace. Oh, Lord, that you would love us so much, that you would fill us with the very fullness of God. Make us partakers in the divine nature. God, we're overwhelmed by genero- your generosity. 
We're overwhelmed by your grace and by your goodness. Lord, I pray, let the, Father, right now I pray, let the giants in this land arise. Let men and women of renown arise. Let, us, let there be an army of sons and, gods of daughter, uh, sons and daughters of God who know who they are and whose they are. Lord, I pray that you would release a fresh revelation on everyone here this morning of Christ in us, the glory of God in us, through us, to the world around us. Lord, I pray that this Christmas season it will be a, 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 just a history-making grace released. Father, revelation will be released as we push into the riches that you have in, for us, that dwell in us through the fullness of the glory of Christ dwelling in us. And Father, may we just start exploring the heights and the depth and the width the breadth, the wisdom, the treasure, everything that comes because Christ dwells in us, the hope of glory. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.